Welcome, everyone, to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion, number 50. That's right. We made it, folks, to an arbitrary number that sounds real good in my ear, and I hope it sounds good in yours as well. I am Jordan Smith, one of your hosts of this audio podcast product, and I'm joined, as usual, by my good friend Tim Hoffman. It's me. Hey, there he is. And our local intrepid reporter, Kevin Corvo. Good afternoon on a sunny, warming up day on the first day of February. Absolutely. I see we'll be kissing 50 here over the next couple of days, which yeah. is uh, a fun thing to say in the first week of February. Absolutely. You know, 50 gets its, is, has its own Roman numeral. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Right? Which one is it? It's a single letter. I think it's L. Yeah. There you go. So it's... That's cool. It appears in sequences in old movies uh, that I that I watch. And right, notice. that's how you learned your Roman numerals. Right, right. <clears throat> Speaking of Looney Tunes, it's like when you're right. watching through a whole DVD worth of Looney Tunes, you're like, this one is from 1947. <laughs> oh, Bob Clampett, this is going to be a good one. There you go. There Every you go. number has its own letter. Let me let me state that differently. The number 50 is a single letter, without all the X's and I's and other things to that make up other numbers joined by the classically educated <sighs> hilliard we bring it to you every <laughs> week uh here on the hilliard beacon audio companion first up this week uh we're going to talk a little bit about the story that was published earlier uh on i believe it was tuesday went up with the latest bit of information about the new operating uh levy for the fire department norwich town which norwich town which norwich township excuse me uh fire department will be asking voters on march 19th to decide on a new 4.9 million permanent levy to meet the operating costs of that department uh norwich Fire Chief David Baird said the demands for services paired with rising costs are the contributing factors that are driving this levy decision. Uh, as with most public service levy choices, this one's particular to the township. It's kind of a long-standing arrangement that exists, and we've been following this story in these kind of negotiations between uh, Brown Township, Norwich Township, and then this is a separate issue where Norwich is going directly to the voters, correct? Correct, yes. Um, this is this is something else entirely in, in many respects. So you wrote this story this week. You're following up on uh, some other things that we've we've written about the Township Fire Department and, and the work that they do there and how that's coming together this year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the values that go into this? We're, we're talking specifically about... You know, they've got a new fire station that they'll be responsible for operating under the overall length of this levy. That will come right. online, which will be a significant cost because it'll be staffed, upkeep, and those type of things. Uh, but also, just the basics of doing the job. That was one of the things that stood out most in this piece as opposed to some of the others you've written that have been more focused on the larger picture. But just mm -hmm. the cost of... Uh, acquiring some of this equipment nowadays is really, really different, even as recently as 2013. So tell us a little bit about that. What's the perspective of the fire department on some of those fixed costs? They've explained to me, the chief shared with me some examples of just how much more it costs now than 10 years ago to build a fire engine, to have a fire engine manufactured. Squads, um, those figures are in this story. Uh, a fire engine is more than a million dollars now. Yeah, four hundred and sixty-nine thousand back in twenty thirteen, and over one million dollars today. 
and take almost four years to build, bringing all these different components. I didn't know it took that long to build. manufacturing. Is pieces that how together. long it takes to actually build one, and or is that just the is that the cue? I I don't know. I think. I've read and heard. I think, I think you it mentioned might be taking that long once you order it for you for not to actually build it. I think it's right, a so queue. that's the lead it, it includes, the lead time. It right. includes a queue, Mister England over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, weren't you also telling me that there was a detail that didn't make the story was certain engine repairs versus buying an engine outright? I didn't delve into that, and and I'm at, that's something I could ask the chief about. But I've set through enough Norwich Township trustee meetings to know that there's studies done is it worth fixing or just buying a new one so so certainly when it comes time to make repairs on things that that's going to be more than it was 10 years ago as well um, but he didn't give any metrics on the average repair costs today versus 10 years ago interesting i can imagine those have gone up as well as these things get harder and harder to work on potentially uh i would imagine they're more technologically advanced than they've ever been so I assume those costs go up as well. So all along the spectrum, it's gotten more expensive to operate, say, a fire department. But add into that the amount of uh, service calls related mm. to those departments uh, increasing relative to the amount of aged populations we have, relative to the amount of densely built populations that we're now bringing into the city, and just the overall footprint of the city expanding. Mm -hmm. For sure. More road to get around and on and to and through. We've talked a little bit about some of the converged technology programs that they've got under development that will hopefully help aid in EMS dispatches and things, giving people more on-site information over larger footprints over time. But that stuff's all pretty far out in the future. So yeah. I don't know if it'll land within the operating levy window that this is, but in previous uh, uses of these kind of levies, they've la they've outlasted their initial mandate for length and duration. Is that right? This one ex it, it exceeded its. This exceeded what they predicted. Yes. Yeah, they've entering year <clears throat> eleven and have far exceeded the projection uh, due to mindfulness of elected officials, staff members remaining fiscally responsible with taxpayer money. It might be a good opportunity to get the new fiscal officer for Norwich Township on the so. record and, and ask about some of these expanded costs, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that would be good. Uh, the amount they asked for is perhaps greater than it would have been had they gone to the ballot two or three years ago. So keep that in mind, too. Right. Uh, I know the, the school district as well and maybe the township decided, well, maybe 2020 during the throes of COVID might not be the best time to go out on a ballot. Yeah. So I do think some townships and school districts probably waited. Had they intended one in 2020, I think they put it off for a year or two. Each but of these then they would have needed to ask for slightly greater millage than they would have had they asked for it sooner. And each of these local authorities has their own approach to right. when they ask, how they ask, right, and, they and what amounts they ask, uh, given that they believe and hope that this will be more appealing and or during this type of cycle or, or something of that nature. Uh, and I just imagine that Norwich Township, they've been messaging on Facebook. They'll be holding a series of informational meetings. They are. And, and doing um, things with personal direct community outreach mm -hmm. just as an organization. So that's taking that next level of responsibility so 
hopefully we'll continue to cover that and and help them spread that message so people understand what they're voting on. I think you remarked in your story that it's going to uh, basically come out to about a hundred and twenty-seven or a hundred and seventy-two dollars. Hundred and seventy-two dollars annually per one hundred thousand dollar of property valuation. So say my house is a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, it would be a hundred and seventy-two plus half of a hundred and seventy-two essentially, and that would right. basically come out to the property tax increase. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of interesting. Been a shorthand way for people to understand the impact but also it's part of living in a city i've said before when you take uh these kind of steps to live in a place and and be a part of a community you find that you've got a a situation where you are required to have these things in order to really make sure that you can get those good insurance ratings the city of uh hilliard is happy to have norwich township have that ISO rating that they do as one of the few in the state that has that rating because it improves insurance costs for everybody in this area. So uh, along those lines, there are values added to having a a smooth functioning and well-supported fire department, and we've always had one. Uh, I think it would be a mistake to uh, try to trim budget there or trim dollars there, make savings uh, in the fire stopping uh, sector of the economy. You're going to wish you hadn't (laughs) saved money when you find yourself on fire. I I blew into the microphone. It's terrible. I did it. But, you know, if you're going to be standing out there in your front yard in your pajamas holding your dog under one arm and blowing real hard on that four alarm banger going in your front window, I don't know. Yeah. And they pull up in their uh, broken fire truck and they're like, ah, you're like, ooh, yeah, shouldn't have saved money there. Skimpy. Tell you what, uh, fire safety (laughs) and ladder safety have never been. A better deal. <laughs> yes. Keep things keep things on the right side of that uh, ledger. Please keep us safe here in Hilliard and surrounding areas by maintaining a smooth uh, and well-supported fire department. Moving into other monetary matters, Kevin, forecasting another story you've got coming maybe a little bit later this week, maybe early next week, we've got a story, kind of a preliminary story, following along in your community reporting roots and cycle. Uh, of what you're looking at at this time. You're looking at the budget. So if you wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how you're going to structure that story or maybe some of the items that you're looking at in particular. It's just outlining the city's 2024 general fund operating budget. Uh, This year, now, they've created a separate budget for the Recreation and Parks Department. So there's no longer an easy way to do a strict apples apples comparison because the city has paired out the, the recreation well and parks a huge as a separate line item and they also did this uh for the to make it simple to when to keep to make it simple to track the money that's going toward recreation and parks because hilliard once had a two percent income tax rate in november of 2019 voters approved a one half percent percentage point increase so the income tax went from two percent to two and a half percent the additional half percent is solely for the recreation and parks department so they created a separate budget for it and that additional half percent goes there Mm -hmm. and that is because of the massive project they're doing with the well right Um, 
That's so. also a little bit behind the operations, rec parks, personnel split cleanup, mm-hmm. right? Just right. trying to make that more defined mm-hmm. line so that those budgets mm-hmm. look a little cleaner to the eye mm-hmm. relative to judging ourselves. Mm-hmm. But like you said, comparing ourselves to other municipalities now might be a little different. It would be, yeah. Uh, that was something tracking back to my days at Suburban News. Uh, every reporter covered a particular community, so we could share information that way. If a reporter covering Hilliard wanted to know how the reporter, if the reporter in Hilliard wanted to know how Grove City was handling something, the Grove City reporter found out, and then and we would sometimes do comparison stories. Here's how Worthington, Westerville, Grove City, Dublin, Pickerington handle X. Mm-hmm. Uh, the network's not there the anymore. The network's not there anymore. So it's splintered. Uh, Hilliard's general fund budget for everything except the Recreation and Parks Department is $32 million. Mm. And that represents, it's in my story, but I think it's a 16 or 18% increase over last year. I don't think that's probably out of line. I would expect to find, if I knew those numbers for Worthington, Westerville, Dublin, I don't think I would find that out of line. But this story just shows uh, the increase uh, in the various departments that I chose. It also can explain to readers what various departments in the city do. Uh, so it, it is a short primer on the on the function of various departments and at what level at what level they are funded individually to carry out those responsibilities. Very cool. I've always thought that that is one of the key documents. We've talked a little bit about this list of key documents that we've been bringing together and looking at time and time again, the community plan, operating budget, Mm -hmm. these things that make up the core of how the city actually functions. You can hear a lot of flowery language about doing this or that in any kind of campaign, running for any level of office. But if you're able to drill down and look at the isolated budgets, see where people prioritize their spending or don't prioritize their spending, and what gets the lion's share of public resources, you can really begin to understand what kind of city you're living in from a structural standpoint. So Mm. as this opening story on the budget is going to lay out, this is a 30,000-foot look. We're kind of opening ourselves into this this era of reporting on this particular city document. We're going to have additional writing on budget and different budget items. We'll probably ask to have different people in to speak on those uh, goals and efforts throughout the city budgets, uh, throughout the departments, as you understand what is exactly going on with Parks and Rec, what is exactly going on with operations, and how those new budgets are shaking out. We just got the uh, director of the well, uh, appointed, I believe it was she was named not too long ago and promoted from within. I'll look at that up as we're going through some of the other uh, stories we've got this week. Make sure I'm right on that. But um, interestingly enough, that might be a good time to move into some other city stories. Uh, we've got a few things on the horizon. We've got a new city law director. Uh, however, that person is still coming from the law firm Frost Brown Todd, and the city contracts with that firm for the law director work, and one of the partners in that firm becomes our law director in this forum. As you'll remember last year, there was some talk about how the law director was potentially not fulfilling their obligation to 
advise council appropriately versus advising the city manager versus this versus that. This is a, a new law director who has come from the same firm and will be assuming all the same responsibilities. They won't be elected, as was suggested a little bit last year, and this is not any type of new firm partner or, or rather a new firm doing work for the city, but it's a continuation of the existing relationship. That person's name is uh, Thad Boggs. In his work, Boggs represents clients in diverse matters related to state and local government, emphasis on land use and economic development issues, including municipal annexation, development agreements, zoning applications, his variety of experience, and his practical approach to helping clients solve problems inform his service as general counsel to the Ohio Air Quality Development Authority. Sounds like an ace pitcher from the 1920s. Yeah. I, I wonder what his rookie card goes for. Yeah. Uh, he is a regular speaker and author for the Ohio Municipal League and Ohio Municipal Attorneys Association on a variety of local government law topics. We should try and get him in here. Yeah, that would be great. He's a, a, a youngish guy, and I think I've seen him around town a little bit, and it'd be ha- a, a great, uh, great honor to have a, a, a member of the bar grace our presence you know my dad was a lawyer my grandpa was a lawyer my grandpa was a judge so you know i've got a deep-seated respect for the law i just wish it had more respect for me (laughs) yeah fair enough (laughs) (laughs) council is also seeking uh, an applicant for a partial term at large position on the planning and zoning commission dealing with some of that aforementioned land use all commission appointments are made by city council and this term begins immediately and will end in december of 2025 so you would be jumping into uh, the existing core group and the ideal candidate for this commission should have some of the following skills knowledge or interest in community issues relating to development understanding or willingness to learn municipal ordinances and zoning code understanding of or familiarity with the conduct of public meetings, relevant experience in or knowledge of development-related fields, ability to review and understand development plans and analyze planning-related issues, and the ability to listen to others and communicate effectively in a public forum. You can apply uh, through February 5th. You should include a resume, and the application can be found on the hilliardohio.gov website. so check it out there if you are interested in helping the city fill that crying need. Last, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Hilliard Development Corporation. It's a private company, essentially, I have to say, that sits at the center of city government. And it consults, it brings in outside expertise, it makes use of a small board, I believe, of three members, uh, at present, and they coordinate and help bring and land development into the city, essentially. And how that works and how those uh, job roles are appointed is, is a story for another time. But the story coming out of there today is a continuing push into the Hilliard uh, tech economy. And they say here that the Hilliard technology companies, perhaps developing out of Converge or other uh partnerships that have yet to bear fruit that need to test their artificial intelligence powered products will have a new tool thanks to a grant from the Hilliard Development Corporation. Organization recently approved a $50,000 innovation grant to launch a quote AI sandbox that will be available to businesses participating in the Hilliard City Lab concept. 
The quote-unquote testing playground allows companies to demonstrate products in a secure setting before making an investment into a traditional cloud provider. The sandbox will allow companies to experiment with proof-of-concept AI, AI ideas and gain a better understanding of the cost models when scaling to a traditional cloud provider. It was created with contributions from Hilliard-based Ubi here. So one of the things going on with AI right now is just the incredible amount of resources some of this stuff can hog, whether it's just straight energy or whether it's computing horsepower, as they're suggesting here. This is a way to kind of get a idea of what your product's actually going to perform like under conditions without having to invest, right. I believe. So, so I wonder what the what that $50,000 sandbox is made of. Is it a, a server rack full of powerful computers? I, I imagine so. It's a uh, it's not specified here exactly how the technology functions or where it's rented from or acquired from, but it goes on to describe some of the other innovation grants mm. and and what they've done and what they've generated. So let's get into that a little bit. They've been going on since 2018. They've awarded 12 of these innovation grants, and it says it's generated 74 million dollars in private investment within the city of Hilliard. Nice. So. 12 times 50,000 generates 74 million in private investment. That seems to be a reasonable uh, reasonable input and a reasonable output. You'd have to get down into the actual uh, deliverables and everything, of course, but if they're generating receipts and tax receipts, I mean, what else what else can you ask for from companies in the cutting edge of development? So some of these uh, that go along are with these innovation grants mentioned are agile ultrasonics two grants to fund the installation of robotic systems that will support product development in the aerospace industry. Hmm. Lighthouse Avionics, a uh, grant to install three virtual control towers. These were the drone, these were the guys that were supporting the drone. The emergency uh, drone. System. Yeah, yeah. Autonomous drone flights within the city. The company is among those partnering with the Division of Police to develop a first responder drone that would be deployed upon receipt of a 911 call and location information. So that would be the that would be that program we've talked about a few times coming out of there that the city is kind of underwriting subsidizing through a, a contract with the police department hmm. with uh, Converge Technology to develop through this lighthouse avionics da 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 running all these things down is kind of an interesting process but you can see this interconnected network of businesses trying to develop these uh, tech tech roots, I guess you could say, in Hilliard. <clears throat> Streetlinks is a uh, biometric wearable device that will monitor location. The city is partnering with a company to test the product with individuals vulnerable to medical emergencies. So that would be an update of sorts to the uh, medical alert bracelet technology that we all recognize from countless TV commercials, <laughs> I assume, with that 21st century spin. And uh, they get into some of the other grant money that uh, the Hilliard Development Corporation has granted out. And this is not to do with technology exactly, but just more old Hilliard facade improvement um, work. Roofing, painting, siding, porch repair. The program is designed to stimulate private investment in high-quality building improvements that create and enhance community image and character throughout old Hilliard. Grants share the cost of improving commercial building exteriors and publicly used amenities. 
Since 2018, Hilliard Development Corporation has awarded 16 facade grants, supporting $4 million development in the heart of the city. For more information about grant opportunities, you can visit uh, the Hilliard Development Corporation through the hilliardohio.gov website and see if you can uh, tap into them as a resource for what you may need for your commercial business application in downtown in Old Hilliard. Guys, speaking of other businesses in Hilliard, we've had a couple sales recently. And, Kevin, you've kind of got some things in the pipeline on that. We've got the sale of Ten Pin Alley to uh, Bolero, which is a big nationwide chain of bowling alleys that have picked up a lot of the AMFs uh, from the old networked bowling alleys <laughs> system that existed previous to that. Uh, picking up Ten Pin, we don't know what kind of changes that will bring to the inside of Ten Pin or its operations in general, but it is a major uh, footprint in the city and, and definitely a destination, an entertainment destination for the city. So we'll keep an eye on that. And outside the city, it draws people right, from right because it is one of those few Hilliard. kind of entertainment complexes that allow for something as wide-ranging as a big family reunion on the patio and mm -hmm. then you can send the kids off to game and then you can arrange for a couple of bowling lanes etc cetera, etc cetera. you get food the whole time it's great so we'll have to see what kind of changes are in store there that's a newer business but starliner diner one of the older businesses in hilder and one of the anchors of what used to be cemetery road and what was previously uh on the site of landmark lofts and now located centrally in downtown Old Hilliard, is also sold. So we've got some things in the pipeline on that. And, Kevin, it if has. you wanted to talk a little um, bit about those sales, I've been in be touch good. with Molly, uh, who's the owner of Starliner, uh, and she, uh, she sold it to – she sold the restaurant. Uh, I'm – just today I reached out to the new owner, and uh, I'm working to set up a time to talk with them individually or together. I'm not sure how that'll, how that'll come, come together. But that, that's the next story I'm working on. Uh, I'll ask Tim what changes, if any, he has in mind. Um, I know Molly decorated the store with a lot of her own things. I don't, I don't know if those are staying or not. So the kitschy decor in there, um, I don't, I don't know if that's staying or not. Right. So um, changes all new. I'll might find be. that out. So it was interesting when they moved and relocated from Cemetery Road to Old Hilliard, they were very conscientious about bringing a lot of that history along with them, reproducing the exterior mural on the inside of the restaurant and things yeah. of that nature. That, so. kind of, that, that was so much of the character of the old place. It really wasn't optional, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, a and a difficult thing, a difficult thing to transfer. But it, it's funny because when you think about the old Starliner, people would say, oh man, it had so much more character. But when you look at the at the buildings that the it occupied before it was a rundown strip mall, and now it's in this beautiful brick building. Yeah, it, it used, used to, to be, be a post office, by the way. Okay, that used to be the post that, office. That was the city's post office uh, before they moved the one on Leap Road. That little brick building was the post office for all of Hilliard until 1984, okay. thereabouts. That explains why it had that loading dock on it. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it didn't need a loading dock for its several years. Prior to when it became Starliner as a dance studio, I think it was. Then it was a dance studio. I don't know if that was immediately after the post, post office. office moved, but yes, it's that that brick building was a 
was a dance studio mostly for children uh, for dance instruction to children for um for a long time the dance was it the dance connection yeah i think that I was think the name of it should that whole <laughs> that whole street has largely changed except gun world you know i mean gun world's gun world and it'll i think it'll always be gun world. i hope so <laughs> i still need to go in there i've never gone in there oh well you know anytime. here's another history lesson okay. domino's pizza that's in the little brick building on main street was the library how about that one okay. so that little brick building is domino's pizza that's next to um speedway gas station right uh, so it's on it's on main thing, street yeah. south south of side of darby mm-hmm. um that little building that sits there was a library the hilliard public library then it moved from there to adjacent to the municipal park where sunrise academy is now okay it moved to that location uh, 1982 maybe 1980 i'm not sure what year it moved um, about then Mm -hmm. and then it stayed there until it moved to Cemetery Road in front of Kroger, right? And then it was there until two or three years ago when they opened the new. So, so I've, so I've known four library sites in my life. Uh, Kevin, was it always a branch of the Columbus Metropolitan Library, or was it? That's uh, a good question. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was always a branch of the Columbus Metropolitan Library. So that was, so when it was that brick building, I remember going there, and I bought books that were being discarded. There's, I might still, I don't know if I still have any, but it had a stamp discard from the Hilliard Library. Uh, I guess I got rid of some of the books when they moved from Main Street to cemetery road moving books is the worst <laughs> i don't know if it was part of the columbus metropolitan library system then i mean the columbus metropolitan library system is 150 years old so i imagine perhaps it was but but i i don't i, I don't i don't know if the first hilliard library was founded as part of, of cml or not hmm. let's look into that it's a good question a question for the historical society the funny thing is i just know off the top of my head that upper arlington's library is just of that city it's not necessarily connected they're not to part the, of cml i think right. there's sharing of material perhaps sure but upper arlington is not part of and neither is grandview and neither uh, is worthington is not part of the columbus metropolitan library i know this because a lot of the books that i borrow when i get them i'm are are from those other uh library loan kind of thing right so mm. it's interlibrary but a lot of the a lot of the books that i'm uh requesting are older deeper catalog deep cuts that uh upper Arlington has a good system i would i there's things i i went there sometimes on my way to osu i would go to that library for for things um, considering how many books i check out come from that library i should go in there and and, and wander the stacks We've got a few things on the calendar to mention in the city of Hilliard happening very soon. We've got the Columbus Winter Carnival happening February 3rd at uh, 4100 Columbia Street in Hilliard, Ohio. It's the kids-linked Columbus Winter Carnival. It's presented by Omni Pools and Scapes on Saturday, February 3rd. Have fun at our indoor carnival for the whole family. Register now for special character meet and greets, bounce park, huge carnival game area, food, laser tag, climbing wall, VR roller coaster, gyroscope, fun machine, uh, face painter, balloon artist, lollipop game, mystery prize wheel, duck matching, pinball, and lucky coins. Uh. Special entertainment from the magic of Eli, the amazing Major Scales juggling duo, family prices right game, let's make a deal, 
and additional activities on the stage, plus free cookies, popcorn, and cotton candy, shopping, tons of carnival food, food trucks, and connect with local businesses. Yowza. That's at the fairgrounds. First 2,000 receive a free treat from Tim Hortons. Yep, there you go. And then we also have the Indoor Winter Farm Market happening February 6th from 4 to 7. This is over at Warehouse 839, and it will host a monthly indoor winter market stocked with local food and goods the first Tuesday of the month, unless it is a holiday. So this month, that is February 6th, 4 to 7, at Warehouse 839 on Main Street in Hilliard. Gentlemen, unless you have anything else to mention, I think that is a good place to leave it for this week. Got a few important pieces in the pipeline about uh, important core documents in the city in our uh, annual calendar. Got a few fun interviews on the uh, schedule as well with local businesses, entrepreneurs. We've got uh, one scheduled with some food people. We've got another scheduled with some food people. We've got another scheduled with some arts people. We're moving through the whole cycle of things that matter to you here in the city of Hilliard. Folks, if you'd like to support us, if you'd like to continue supporting Kevin Corvo's 25-year mission of community reporting here in your locality, please uh, subscribe to the Hilliard Beacon at any of our various subscription levels. We really would appreciate it and would thank you for your support. So until next time, I think I'll leave it right there and say goodbye.